So, you know, I wanted to talk a, a little bit first about uh, some of the similarities that we see in uh, your old days in the Soviet Union, the kind of anti-Zionist rhetoric that we're seeing that is really uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric. Do you see what, what's happening now with anti-Zionism as the same sort of coded message that you received back in, in the Soviet days? I think now it is much worse because... In Soviet Union, it wasn't coded message. It was clear to everybody that uh, if Soviet Union is speaking about uh, against Israel and against Zionists, then Jews are in trouble. Even the Jews who have no idea what the word Zionists mean, uh, and vice versa. Anti-Semitic campaigns were always accompanied by attacks on Israel, and uh, the. Official, of course, there was no anti-Semitism, but every book on Zionism, uh, like Be Careful Zionism or something against Zionism, and the book had all the collection of the old uh, accusations against Jews, including the, about Rothschilds, about all, all types of provocations against our society, about the cosmopolitanism of Jews and uh, all, all, all the cliché of uh, classical anti-Semitism were in the books against Zionism. And in fact, any double thinker, what I means the man who was not loyal to, to official, uh, was not inside himself uh, loyal to Soviet ideology, what means almost all the citizens of Israel. They knew very well that that's the same, uh, that the words which are replacing one another when it is more comfortable to speak, to mask your anti-Semitism by uh, anti-Zionist rhetoric, uh, it is. And when there is Israel is in danger, then Jews are viewed as not loyal citizens. There was no, right. no secret. And here in the free world, when 20 years ago something, I was surprised to find out this new, new anti-Semitism. And when I proposed my 3D, Principle, which mm -hmm. probably know what I'm talking about. So, uh, I, and all the idea of this 3D was to make clear that there are moments when anti-Zionist rhetoric turns into anti-Semitic, and to show when it's happening. And I uh, and uh, I had to do it because I saw that our partners in the free world, that I was minister dealing with this issue, our partners in the free world. We are always very suspicious that we are speaking, uh, uh, we are calling it anti-Semitism in order to stop uh, legitimate, uh, I'm saying, criticism of Israel. And I have to say that 20 years ago, uh, later, the situation is even worse. And the, this uh, connection between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism reached new highs, and the efforts to deny it or uh, the embarrassment of some Jews to use the word anti-Semitism, being suspected that then uh, they can be suspected in, uh, in some kind of sympathy to the policy of the government of Israel, is only became, becoming yeah. bigger. And so the uh, situation is not, not only is not as clear as it was in the Soviet Union, the situation becomes more and more complicated. And yeah, that, that is, I think, one of the biggest uh, challenges because uh, I think in the depth of their hearts, majority of Jews uh, do want that it will be clear, and understand this connection 
but in this atmosphere of of wokeness, of this um, uh, uh, attempts to accuse Israel uh, privileged colonial uh, racist um, apartheid project, using this very popular language, people, if those who understand very well where it comes from, are afraid to call it anti-Semitism. And that's, I think, one of our big challenges, yeah. Particularly young people in universities are under a lot of pressure. That's at yeah. a stage in, in people's lives when they're the, the most vulnerable or most open to, to these ideas. How do you fight this at the college level? First of all, uh, that's one of the reasons our struggle for recognizing uh, definitions. And, uh, you know, I proposed 3Ds, and then there became international definition of anti-Semitism, which includes all the 3Ds. And uh, uh, why there is such a struggle? In fact, it is sometimes very surprising when in Bahrain government, some other governments in the Middle East already are ready to recognize this formula. And I spoke to them and said, I understand that you are speaking about, uh, not only about anti-Semitism, but also about Israel. They say, of course, it is clear that there's connection. And if you want to be friends with Israel, why should we be interested to support it? And that's very time uh, uh, some Jewish organizations uh, saying that, no, we cannot really support definition which can be used as the attempts to restrict uh, the critics of Israel. And I'm interested in, in the, that more and more organizations, well, there are already all, practically all the major countries accepted it. But for me, it is very important that Jews will agree about it because uh, it is so important. Uh, th there is no way to fight against it if if people will not have agreement with, with themselves how to, to see it. You cannot... Why then when I propose the 3Ds, uh, I also made such comparison. If you come to 3D film and don't put on 3D spectacles, you don't understand what's happening. Put the 3D spectacles, you understand. So let's agree about how we, how we follow it, how we see it. So that's your thing. The attempt is to really to have clear definition, which will help also to the young generation, which doesn't have that experience of the past. Uh, but the second is uh, uh, there is no replacement to this connection to Israel. It is just in response to this danger of what started happening in the universities. I proposed uh, to start uh, sending Israeli fellows on campuses. And then when I became the head of Jewish agency, I developed this project to a big one. And But I have to say, all forms of the meeting of the students with Israel and Israelis, and it doesn't matter, it can be Israelis who are very left-wing, or it can be uh, Jews who are very critical of Israel coming to, and then spending some time in Israeli reality. But to have first-hand understanding of what is really happening and what kind of unique society in the Middle East, Israel is, that is the best way to, to mask. And as I say always to our shlichim, uh, on the campuses where they go, I say, your aim is not to convince our enemies that we are not so bad. Your aim is to show to Jews that they don't have to be ashamed, they have no reason to be ashamed of their connection to Jewish people and to Israel. Do you think the average Israeli uh, understands the pressure that uh, many Jews in the diaspora are, are, are under in terms of anti-Semitism? 
Well, uh, I think that uh, those who are interested definitely understand. And as again, as a head of Jewish say uh, I did a lot and then continued to bring more and more important Israelis or Israelis who are playing some role in creating public opinion, whether it is uh, members of Knesset or whether it is journalists uh, or public figures, to America to spend some time inside American Jewish community uh, to spend Shabbat on some non-Orthodox in the Northern Orthodox community, where conversation will be not only about Halakha and Parashat Shavuot, but about today's situation. But having said this, I have to say that Israel is so deeply in its own challenges. And I would say, in the end, it's so successful in meeting these challenges. After all, we do feel that uh, Israelis do feel that economically, when all the world is uh, becoming worse and worse economically, more and more pessimistic about the economic future. Mm-hmm. And Israel, optim- I am not speaking about real stations, Israel stations, but the optimism about station is very big. The, simply, if you uh, simply compare the expectations of Jews of Israel about their future and expectations of Americans, including Jews of America, about their future, you'll see some of this feeling of optimism is much deeper. And uh, whether we are talking about Corona or anything. So, and, and the Israelis feel all the time that, uh, well, being in the army, being in the police, being very critical about government or happy about the government, they, they feel that uh, they're somehow very actively involved in this Israeli Jewish Life. And that's why mm-hmm. that's why there are limits to which they no sympathy against anti-Semitism, they have all the sympathy, solidarity and so But similarly, when they hear from people, oh boy, we have such problems because of you, the reaction always is, I would say, from left and right. It's rather negative to this. That uh, <laughs> uh, so there are limits oh. to which there can be solidarity with this. Uh, concerns about anti-Semitism. BDS is something which uh, reminds Israelis to what extent this uh, situation is also about them. Even BDS, if you look where it is damaging, is it really damaging Israeli economy? No, it's not. Does Israel feel it in any way? No. It is It is very damaging uh, for uh, this kind of trying to disconnect young generation of Jews from Israel. And uh, yes, is, if Israel is concerned, yes. Is it Israel is as concerned as the leaders of American Jewish community? I think no, it's a different type of concern. There's an internal debate now that's kind of divisive inside the U.S. Jewish community between uh, who's more anti-Semitic, the left or the right? Good thing about uh, Soviet Union experience is to understand that it doesn't matter in what clothes Jew haters uh, in fact, it's not that uh, people have different political views, but if he or she is Jew hater, they'll find out how to connect their political position or their social position with their anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism has unique quality, proved in a thousand years, to, to, to be equally against capitalism and against communism. Uh, absolutely equal way. And, uh, well, this, what you mentioned, you probably mean 
my speech is Babi Yar, when I was speaking, we had a big ceremony with the president, so and I, as the chairman of the Babi Yar committee, I was saying about how uh, Holocaust was denied because Babi Yar was the place, the symbol of the denial of Holocaust by Soviet Union. I said, but, uh, and it was then definitely really clearly connected with the anti Semitic policy of Stalin. I said, what is interesting today that anti Semitism on the rise, on the left and the right, in, in, in the East and in the West, everywhere, in one another way, it is play, connected over the denial of Holocaust, over the diminishing Holocaust, over the, uh, attempts to change the nature of Holocaust. Now, as uh, the tragedy of today, or what makes the situation more difficult uh, than ever, that today really, maybe for the first time in our history, anti-Semitism is not uniting all the Jews. In the past, Bailey's, Dreyfus, Damascus, blood libel, or any other uh, protocols of the elders of Zion, it doesn't matter whether you are the member of the Communist Party of France or you are uh, the member of some uh, uh, very right-wing group in the United States of America. You knew that that is anti-Semitism and that it is danger to you. What's happening today, because of such a strong polarization and because anti-Semitism is very big on the left and the right, it is so almost natural for the people to see anti-Semitism in, in the other political camp. And it is very difficult to accept that it is there. If you see a lot of debates which is happening, usually they are about saying, but it is in your camp, it is your friends, it is your party who are anti-Semitic. Of course, I have my political opinions and uh, uh, think that what is more dangerous, what is less. But I think it is very dangerous in debate. Because the moment we decide that we have zero tolerance to anti-Semitism, of course, we have to start from our own camp. And that's what I'm saying, that to all the liberal Jews, you have, first of all, to fight anti-Semitism on the campuses. To uh, all Republican Party Jews, you have, first of all, to uh, fight anti-Semitism among the supporters of Trump, or not supporters, but anti-Semitism on the right. What's happening almost opposite, and when opposite happening, it can have no influence on anti-Semites. Because who cares uh, on, the, uh, on the left that Trump supporters are saying that uh, there is anti-Semitism in our universities? And who cares on the right when Black Lives Matter is accusing them in anti-Semitism? So uh, <laughs> uh, that, that is our challenge. Our challenge is how, uh, how people will start fighting anti-Semitism in their own camps. And uh, the, uh, there is no doubt that anti-Semitism on one side is fueling the anti-Semitism on the other. And so if we will not be fighting simultaneously, and they work simultaneously with anti-Semitism on all the directions, there is no chance that we will succeed. Right, right. Definitely. Well, you've you've met and and dealt with uh, just about every uh, pro probably every, every U.S. president uh, since you were released from the Soviet Union. How do you rank Biden? Is he somebody who understands these issues? Biden has a, an excellent record of understanding and uh, sympathizing, and so I have to say I had recently meeting with Secretary of State Blinken, and. Mm -hmm. There was almost not a word of disagreement, even when we were speaking about the past, that they said something that they uh, think that 
President Obama made a mistake in Syria, he, he immediately agreed. And when he was speaking about the uh, dangers of anti-Semitism today, he fully agreed. So it is easy to talk to, to this administration. The problem is whether it has enough influence. And uh, for example, I, as I just now said, that everybody has to fight anti-Semitism in his or her own camp. So exactly as I was very disappointed when uh, after the Shapperville, the, there was no strong voice in the Republican Party among the people of Trump. And the strong voice of our government was postponed at least for a week. Uh, this, and I was very upset because I said that just because you are President Trump, you must be the first to condemn when there is crowd shouting, Jews will not replace us. For Biden administration to fight so-called progressive anti-Semitism or vogue anti-Semitism, that's that's the first thing that they have to do. Whether they will whether they will be really doing it, whether they have power to do it, whether some resolution in the Congress against all this anti-Zionist anti-Semitic rhetoric can really be passed today by the Democratic Party? That's a big question. So, uh, uh, yeah, in terms of personal attitude to President Biden and his main players in the field, I have very good feeling about whether they can really fight anti-Semitism in their political camp. That has to be seen. What are your goals in terms of a dialogue between Israel and the diaspora? Part of that, I guess, is the Z3 project that you're going to speak at in in December. What do you think are the the biggest areas of misunderstanding or the biggest challenges? Well, uh, the two areas which I see already for many, many years, the two big areas is lack of understanding, not readiness to, to demonstrate this understanding about the unique challenges which Israel as a democratic state has in fighting terrorism. And uh, uh, that's why when our enemies are accusing us in killing thousands of uh, Palestinians simply because uh, we are bloodthirsty, well, we can ridicule it. When some American Jewish uh, spiritual leaders, rabbis, whatever, are saying that you are really losing us because in response to killing uh, three Jewish boys, you chose to kill 2,000 Palestinians. It means, uh, and then everybody is appalled. No, nobody in the left and right in Israel can even understand how Jewish activists can say such a thing, how they can think such a thing about Israel. It's so far from our uh, reality, from our real challenges, from our real debates. From, uh, you see here, how here the nation was challenged, was divided by the fact that uh, one Jew, uh, killed terrorists when he was already neutralized. And, uh, it was, and well, of course, I know it's also from, from the, the government, uh, how we were torn the, when we have to attack terrorists and uh, we know that the, uh, the civilians can be damaged. And so inventing different types of weapons and intelligence, which never was used even before in any war. And then, and then to hear such things from the you know, Israel is a poll, and I have to say that they say, okay, you're losing Israel. I don't know, but they that Israel is losing uh, simply stops understanding uh, our partners when they are speaking this language, when they're taking these the worst uh, accusations, and they're becoming legitimate and normal. You see, that's, that's the danger that to, uh, suddenly the fact that Israel is a apartheid state is almost like. No, okay, we, we have to discuss how to 
uh, to change it, but we, the basic fact we accept. Then that's the deep, deep divide between Israelis because that's everyday life of Israelis. It's not something theoretical. It's not something universal. Everybody uh, goes to the army, and so so that's one problem. The other opposite problem is that Israeli society still, in spite of all the attempts, and stations better now, but still is not only in the beginning of understanding that uh, non-Orthodox Judaism is not something against Israel, against Jews, that it is not the way how to abandon Jewish people, that uh, it is the way how Jewish people are surviving today in the diaspora. Uh, here, of course, the fact that we have some progress, but uh, very little progress, that uh, definitely uh, the, uh, the one who was leading this five years in efforts on the request of Prime Minister, by the way, uh, to reach agreement about the prayer of the Kotel, and that after 20 years of trying to have a more liberal system of conversion, and the fact that we are still there debating at this moment, there is opportunity to get it through by one vote in Knesset. But what can be got through in one vote can be lost in one vote. The thing is that the, we still are far from the station when majority of Israeli society understands that that is a problem which we have to read because it is a big question for our partners in Europe. So, so the, these are two spheres. But of course, on this, the, every day, there are some other things that it is so easy to be political to say, ah, you see, we didn't expect from Israel to start understanding us. And, uh, of course, because it is apartheid, because this is this. And the moment this nonsense is said, immediately there is that, as I was told so many times, well, do you want to say that if you have they will solve the problem of the Kotel, they will support uh, our position on Iran, uh, or they will continue preferring Obama uh, to our government, to our security. So these type of considerations, it's interesting, but the uh, lack of understanding in one sphere is easily balanced or compensated by the distancing in the other sphere. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, that's that's all I have. Is there anything else that you want to add about Israel-Diaspora uh, relations? I, I want to say that if, uh, if you thought for a moment from my concession that I'm pessimist, no, I'm being optimist. I can tell. Because of, my, uh, because of my past, I'm optimist. And because I live in Israel. And Israel is a very, very optimistic society. I can say practically... Whenever I go to any other place, to another Jewish community, I uh, can feel how different is this, uh, these expectations from life and from the future. So, yes, as a former prisoner of Zion, and as a today's citizen of Israel, and as the one who knows the power of Jewish people and their solidarity, I'm a very optimistic person. But, okay, we, we have to, to help a little bit to our optimism. Yeah. Well, wonderful. And uh, I just have to say, it's, it's a privilege talking to you. I've been following your story ever since I was a, a child. Um, and it's, it's, it's just an, an honor to speak with you. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.